Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to give you the highlights that should help you to at least understand the why behind the what. So, why is Joseph's name given and Mary's missing in verse 23? The first thing I want you to see is that verse 23, Joseph is not being listed as the father. He's not. It says, being the son as supposed of Joseph. And when you go back to the original writing, to the Greek, you will find the words there that make it clear that Luke was indicating that. I'm just telling you that Joseph is here because it was thought by those in the village, by those in the community, Joseph was the father. But he's casting, of course, doubt on that reality. Um, The the point simply there is that from a human level, uh, meaning the extended family, friends, neighbors in Nazareth, there was really only one way to see Jesus uh, in paternity, and that was that Joseph was his father. But of course, we know by revelation he was not. Jesus did not have a biological father at all. He was conceived in the womb of Mary by an act of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph is not his father. But that doesn't answer the question, why is Mary's name not listed? And here's the reason. It's because in that culture and in that time, it was not accepted to include the mother's names in the genealogical record. You say, well, what about Matthew? There's at least four women mentioned there. Yeah, they're all mentioned for a particular reason, to show you the grace of God. If you go back, you'll find a harlot, you'll find an adulteress, you'll find, right, and those are there to show you how, and a Gentile, you'll, those are there to show you God's connection with the man, not, it's, the woman is not the, the, the genealogical record part. And so uh, I make that just to simply say this, that the culturally accepted perspective at the time was father to son, not mother to son. Another point of culture uh, that I discovered is this, is that when a daughter was married off in that time frame, it was customary for her father to adopt the groom and make him a legal son, Uh, especially when and if there were no sons already in the family. So those account for some of the reasons that Joseph's name is there. Joseph's name appears not to record him as Jesus' father, but to say he was Mary's husband, to say that he was the son-in-law of Heli, Mary's father. Again, if you look at the Matthew record, you look at the Luke record, the names are going in different directions, and it's clear that this is not Joseph's genealogy. And it is to say that Joseph's paternity of Jesus was hearsay in the community, not actual fact. And so that gives us at least a construct to look at as to why Joseph's name is there and not Mary's. Some more contrast between Matthew and Luke. Matthew goes from the past to the present. He begins at Abraham and goes up to Jesus. Why begin at Abraham? Well, because Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, and Jews wouldn't have cared about the genealogical record before Abraham because the Jews didn't exist until Abraham. He's the father of the Jewish nation, and and so that's why Matthew does what he does. Luke, though, starts at the present. He begins with Jesus, and he goes back. 
but he goes back beyond Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam. In fact, he goes all the way back to God himself. And the reason for that is because, again, Luke's audience is more Gentile-based. In fact, remember, he's writing to Theophilus, who is a Gentile, and so there's a more universal appeal, and Luke is showing by going all the way back that Jesus has solidarity with the entire human race, not just the Jews, which is what would have been pictured if he would have stopped there. Another contrast is this. Matthew traces, and this is very interesting, Matthew traces Jesus' ancestry through Joseph back to David and Bathsheba's first living son. Now, it's important, first living son. Their first son died, remember? Uh, uh, They had their first son through an act of adultery. And that first son did die. But their first living son is Solomon. And Solomon is an, uh, uh, Joseph is an ancestor of Solomon's and by right of adoption by Joseph causes Jesus then to have a clear right to the royal line. Luke, on the other hand, traces Mary's genealogy back to David and Bathsheba, but not the first, but the second living son, Nathan. Now, you might ask, why would God have done something like that? And it was fascinating, and I have no time to develop this. I'm just going to throw it out there like, you know, like a seed, and you do with it what you will for now. But there's, there's information out there that would suggest that Satan was involved with Solomon uh, and the issue of him marrying 700 wives and having over 300 concubines, and that that whole deal was about attempting not for the first time, but the second or third time to pollute the messianic line. If, you know, if Solomon has all these kids and from all these women and all this is going on, perhaps that can mess things up. I would say that a family tree with 700 wives and 300 concubines is a massive tree, wouldn't you? Get a little confusing trying to track all that from one father. But the way this individual who produced this information said it, it's like God decided to backdoor Satan and just make sure that there would be no problem. Nathan was never looked at. He was never a king. He was never any of those things, yet he comes from King David. And so by Mary coming through him, then there is no question about the pollution of the bloodline. And in fact, there is no question because Mary is the only part that Jesus comes through. Joseph has no biological input. Fascinating, isn't it? That brings us to truth point number two, that Jesus' ancestry was so airtight that not even his biggest critics, the Jewish religious leaders, could poke a hole in it. Now think about that. Remember, if you're going to make a claim on kingship, if you're going to make a claim on messiahship, you must come through the line of David, and it must be unpolluted. And remember that the scribes of Judaism, they kept these records in the temple meticulously. So when they started opposing Jesus, if his bloodline was not accurate, that would be the easiest way to discredit him. All you'd have to do is show the record that he is not of the lineage of David, and bam, it's done. He's finished. No matter what he says, no matter what he does, he can't be the Messiah. He can't even possibly be a king. And they never raised their voice about that. 
Why? Because it was airtight. Instead, at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he goes into Jerusalem, the week of his passion, the crowds are screaming what? Hosanna to the son of David. The temple records were accurate. They were clear, both from Joseph's bloodline as the adoptive father and Mary's bloodline. Jesus is a direct descendant of David and thus is eligible from the genealogical record to have a claim on kingship as well as messiahship. That's pretty important. Pretty important. Now, beyond that then... Let's get a little less technical and let's get into some other things here that I think will be very fascinating and I think very helpful. There are four significant names in this list. And I want to identify those four significant names and I want to tell you a little bit about what those names and Jesus' relationship to them tells us about him. We're focusing on Jesus, not them, but we have to name them in order to get the focus on Jesus properly. The first name is God. The second name is Adam. The third name is Abraham. And the fourth name is David. All of these appear in Jesus' genealogy. So let's begin with the most prominent name, and that being God, Son of God. Now, when you read Son of God there in the text, that, is, that title there is, is directly tied to Adam. It is identifying that that Adam is because God made him. God, I was going to say birthed him, but that gives us the wrong image. Uh, but God made him. Uh, but Jesus also is referred to as the Son of God because he's in that same line. At least, I'm just starting there. He's in that same line. So all that applies to anyone down the line is applying as it comes up uh, to Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about Adam being the Son of God and Jesus being uh, the Son of God. First with Adam. Adam was the Son of God in that, number one, God created him, and two, God breathed the breath of life into him. The only way Adam had life was because God gave it to him. And as such, then, he is related to God in that sense of creator-creation. We know that Adam did not, um, uh, we know that the image of God was eventually damaged in Adam because he chose by an act of his own free will to do what God told him not to do, but that doesn't change the fact that from a paternity-specific issue, uh, Adam is a product of God. Now Jesus, and here's what I really want to point out, Jesus is also known as the Son of God. But there's another name or title that's more important than that, that's being called the Son of God. The greater title for Jesus that marks him is being God the Son. Now, I'm not just uh, giving you semantics here. This is real, there's real differences. To be called the Son of God is one thing. To be called God the Son, to be God the Son, is a whole other issue. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, 
though he, and that is referring to Jesus, was in the form of God. Now it doesn't tell us there in the text what exact form that means, but we know as we study scripture that Jesus is God the Son. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus in time past in eternity is God is God the Son, having to do not with paternity but issues of authority. So Though he was in the form of God, he was in the form of God the Son, he, that is Jesus, did not count equality with God. Now that mention of God is who? He's talking about there, God the Father, a thing to be grasped. We find in Philippians 2.6 a real uh, marking of who is who. And the point that I want to make to you here this morning is this, is that Jesus has always been and will always be God the Son. There was never a time, nor will there ever be a time, when Jesus will not be God the Son. But in his incarnation, conceived in the womb of Mary by God the Holy Spirit, Jesus then became the Son of God, speaking more of paternity than authority. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.